That was a pretty good uh, burn, if you will. Yeah, hilarious. Ooh. Yeah. That's the kind of comedy you can expect from the Lions of Liberty, folks. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Hello, and welcome once again to the Lions of Liberty podcast, your favorite show about the ideas of liberty. Well, maybe it's not your favorite, but we're going to work on that by bringing you another fun roundtable today in this, which is episode, guys, I'm getting a little nervous here, episode number 192. We are really ticking all the way up to episode number 200, in which I will have a very special episode that I will detail more in the days and weeks to come. But for now, you can find today's show notes featuring everything we discuss in the show over at lionsofliberty.com slash 192. And if you are like many of our fans who have, has, have asked how they can help support our program, one very, very simple way you can do that is by going to lionsofliberty.com slash Amazon and clicking on our link, our Amazon affiliate link, and making all your Amazon purchases through there. And by the way, Amazon, pretty cool company. They pretty much sell everything that has ever existed ever and bring it right to your door very quickly. So get on that or just send me a check. Whatever. You don't need to do that. Anyway. Moving along, it's been quite the uh, crazy week in politics, and to go over that crazy week, I've assembled a crazy crew of libertarian-leaning folks, many of whom are drinking liquor right now. I am not one of them because I had a rough weekend, and we don't really need to go into greater details than that. But first, why don't I bring in Lions of Liberty co-founder, a man who is often sitting next to my left in this studio, but now he's a big boy with his own microphone, so he is at home about a mile and a half down the street, Mr. Brian McWilliams. Welcome. Thank you. I'm a big boy now. Boom, boom. If you remember that commercial, I think it was Pampers. Nope. Zero of us got that. Uh, well, I'm Thank sure you. any parents at home will. Maybe Odie will get it. He's got a kid now. Anyway, yes, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. My own mic, my own headphones, my own world. Since you didn't ask, I'll tell you, I'm drinking a dark and stormy right now. Delicious. That actually sounds delicious, as much as the idea of booze uh, really disgusts me. Oh, right yeah. Now. I got the Blenheim in there, the strongest ginger beer ever, which uh, if I start coughing constantly during this podcast, it's because I accidentally inhaled while drinking this because it's that potent. All right. And we're going to move things along to the fine city of Pittsburgh, where we also have another co-founder of Lions of Liberty, the host of the Weekly Felony Friday podcast, which you should all be hearing in your Lions of Liberty feed, which, of course, I'm sure you are subscribing to on iTunes, on Stitcher, however it is you listen to podcasts. He is, of course, the felony expert, Mr. John Odermatt. Not the expert at committing, committing felonies, I should point out. but <laughs> That we know just, of. Just to clarify, just to clarify, yes, I've never committed a felony that's been actually That's recorded. been recorded yeah. in, a, in a court of law. I'm still in the clear, still in the clear, to this point. Well, you know what's uh, side note? A buddy of ours named Taylor just had a book come out called uh, How to Steal the Mona Lisa and Seven Other Famous Treasures. So you could write a book like that, Odie, and, you know, just pretend it's uh, like OJ. What if I did it? So go for it, man. Does he say how to do it without being caught? I believe so. Otherwise, what would be the point? Go ahead and steal it. They'll just arrest you outside. That's the book, everyone. It's a very short. It's about <laughs> 10 pages. Just walk in and pick it up and try to walk out. That's the. Uh... Right. <laughs> Taylor Bayuth is his name, by the way, if you want to look that up. Uh, are we getting paid for that plug or or what? I'll get paid in I, high I fives. I didn't see anything come into accounting <laughs> about an invoice for that. but <laughs> It is a cool book, though. First one's for free. All right. And so finally. I, I am also drinking here. I know you like see, to skip I'm the over worst. the I'm skipping, here, I'm skipping over everybody's drink. Go on. What are you drinking? I got a little, a little Sweetwater 420, my favorite beer, and some uh, some Jim Beam, which is, I think, America's favorite Kentucky bourbon. So Always mixing over there in Pittsburgh. 
Is yeah, it- it's been a long day. I was, you know, traveling today down visiting my brother. So I got out of the car and literally walked upstairs, poured a Jim Beam, and started this podcast. Is it the 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 perils of fatherhood that forces you to always have two drinks, or is it just your, your general alcoholism? <laughs> a little bit of both. A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> All right. And uh, finally, I'd like to bring on a gentleman who uh, is often referred to. Um, in our inner circles as the godfather of Lions of Liberty because he was the first one to tell me about all this stuff, all this libertarian stuff. I had never even heard of this before 15 or so years ago when this man waltzed into my life. Quite literally, he was doing a waltz. He is Mr. Howie Stoden from Leesburg, Virginia. Hey, Mark. You definitely are the only one not drinking tonight. I'm uh, having a little bit of yingling lager, feeling the Pennsylvania pride. In the whole country. In the whole country. (laughs) country. Actually, there's probably a lot of hungover people in Scranton today. Yeah, uh, what's, this, a, what's this thing where, where people, people are celebrating St. Patty's Day, but not on St. Patty's Day? What's going on with that? I don't like it. Do you, some people feel that way. In Scranton, though, it's always either the weekend before or after St. Patrick's Day. If it falls on the weekend, great, but people yeah, aren't going to miss out. a lot of cities of do that, especially if they have a parade or something like that. Yep. And I was people, there. I was there in Scranton for a St. Patty's Day parade one magical year. Me, Rico, I think was there. We had the worst pizza of my life. It was like American cheese, white American cheese pizza, and it was disgusting. And I remember I threw up in your, I threw up in your parents' bathroom, Howie. (laughs) I heard Howie actually got beat up at one of those ones. Is that true? All right, all right. Enough about St. Patrick's Day. That's a podcast. We're going to save this stuff for the blooper reel. So got a lot of liberty to talk about here. Let's let's keep things. We do. We do have a lot of liberty to talk about, and uh, you know, there were a lot of debates this week. We had. a Democratic debate, once again, another Republican debate, and a little-known, once again, a very little-known Libertarian debate, all of which we'll touch on. But first, I want to get into the big story out there, what everybody's really been talking about, and it's not the content of these debates. It's the violence or the apparent violence associated with Donald Trump rallies, but more specifically, this specific rally in Chicago uh, that was basically violently interrupted by protesters to the point that it was actually shut down. Um, I have different levels of thought on this, but why don't I just start with Odie? Because uh, I think you, maybe more than me and anybody else, has been really following the Donald Trump phenomenon a lot, um, reading a lot of Scott Adams' work on his persuasion skills. So uh, what are your initial thoughts about this? I mean, because to me, regardless of the right or wrong here, I mean, there's all these talk about free speech, if free speech was violated. Um, I don't really think this is, this is really a government thing, although he's running for government office. So we can argue about how that space was his private property all day long. Uh, but at the end of the day, what do you think this all this stuff does for Donald Trump from the perspective of, of him as this master persuader, as this man who is, despite all the negativity associated with him, is by all metrics continuing to gain support? Yeah, it's uh, it's something to watch for sure. Um, I think, and it, it continues to blow my mind. And at times, we'll have you know, a voice in the back of my head saying that, you know, Donald Trump's this is going to hurt him. He's going to lose votes. But and then I remember, you know, I read another Scott Adams piece and remember what he's actually doing. And he's doing something similar to what Barack Obama did, I think, when he ran. And it, they're really they're, they're dividing the country in order to in order to get votes, playing playing uh, the electorate against each other. And I think in the states that he needs, and he's he's probably, you know, I'm not going to say that he planned for that rally for that rally to be, uh, you know, to be interrupted and postponed. Maybe he did. I'm not sure, but he'll definitely play it off in a way that plays to his supporters, probably strengthens his base, and 
we'll, we'll probably get him more votes somehow. That's, it's hard to imagine. I'm not endorsing the guy, but I do think he's going to win. And I do think he's, I think he's going to win the nomination, first of all, GOP nomination. And he's also going to beat Hillary Clinton. Um, he's going to be our next president. As much as I hate to say it, I think those are the facts right now. And things will probably get uglier at these rallies. And um, it's, it's, it's just a divided country. And it's sad to watch. Is is the country really as divided as these isolated? Because I'm still going to call them isolated incidents. Because for the most part, these are not you know these are things the media are focusing on. But it's not like there are riots in every American city with progressives and you know nationalist conservatives going at it. This is not something that's really happening everywhere on on this level. But obviously, it's it's being played up in the media when it does happen. I mean, is this are we really a divided country in that sense, or is it just the, the politicians' ability to make us as divided as possible when on things when we might otherwise come together against a lot of things, like against the establishment politicians, which I think in a way is why Trump is doing so well, because he has become the embodiment for many, right or wrong, of the anti-establishment. I think that the country actually is more divided than we think, because, I mean, really, and, it's, and it, the politicians are to blame, as is mainstream media coverage, because it's become so divisive in the way that they're positioning each other and, the, you know, the two parties, which is another problem with the two-party system. You know, the, the, you got the two parties constantly attack each other and demonizing the other side, you know, throwing all these things at them, saying horrible things. So you get their supporters riled up where now they just say, oh, I hate all Republicans. And, you know, like you talk to a lot of people that are, are Democrats and they'll say, oh, I hate Republicans. Blanket statement doesn't matter. I'll never vote for one. And it's the same thing on the Republican side. That is all a product of these really polarized media, you know, media talk points or, uh, or outlets that are just pushing the agenda. And as I said, the politics. So I think the country actually is to a point where it's probably more divided than it's ever been because nobody is out there talking about, hey, here's where we're the same, except maybe libertarians. You know, here's where we're the same. Here's where we overlap. Why don't we look for positives rather than ways to attack each other and demonize the other side and say, here's where you're effed up. But that's not how you win votes in a primary. You don't win votes in a primary by by telling everybody how we're going to come together. Maybe in a general election you do, but sadly, to win votes in a primary, you got to show people that that because you got to think about who's going to vote in a Republican or a Democrat primary is people that feel strongly for the most part. Independents do kind of switch from one side to the other for the most part. Feel strongly up already about that side for whatever reason. So right. or an issue like they always target like what's the hot button issue that really pisses this that pisses people off. That's what I'm going to latch on to is my point like trump with immigration you know it's like that's that's what people are pissed off about the immigrants coming in so that's gonna be my main talking point hey something interesting like i haven't been watching the news past couple days so the first i heard about this was i I was on the phone with my mother she's like can you believe all the stuff with the rise of trump's rally he's inciting people to violence somebody's got to stop him i'm like no mom i haven't heard about this so that was her take and then I, i go on facebook i see all these memes from like some conservative people that say like, oh, too bad they don't care enough about the violence and crime rate as they do about a Trump rally. So we've got that. And then there's other people, I guess, like uh, conspiracy folks that are like memes saying you could, your candidates couldn't beat Trump. So now you're paying these people to come out and <laughs> protest. To, well, that I believe is happening because we do. Like, we saw it with the Tea Party and Ron Paul back when the Tea Party was uh you know, a legitimate yeah. thing instead of be a bastardized piece of shit like it is now. But you'd see people come out and they were legitimately, you know, like they were Democrats that came out and said, OK, we're going to screw this up. We're going to start trouble under the guise of being Tea Party members because it will get media coverage. So, right. And I, Trump, I do Trump wonder about that. It's, uh, Trump was saying it's Bernie supporters because yeah, Hillary supporters didn't have enough like energy or care enough to come out and do anything. <laughs> that but I believe. Then, 
He's probably I, right. I mean, it doesn't I, excuse how they were treated there unless they had started the violence, which it doesn't seem like they, they did. But well, yeah, I mean, I'm that sure is, I mean, I, I'm sure it's on both sides because I've seen videos that go both ways. But it, it very do- in this incident, it absolutely does seem to me that the protesters were the ones instigating everything from, from everything I've seen. I mean, they showed up at a rally for someone that they didn't support and did, did it intentionally to shout the person down to get in protesters' face. There were people grabbing Trump signs from people, ripping them up, throwing them in their faces. I don't know how much you guys have watched the, the footage out there, but I mean, it's, it's clear to me that the protesters, I'm sure there were some protesters who might have just been there to be normal protesters or whatever that means, but there was no doubt in my mind they were there specifically to incite violence. And it, I mean, I don't see how to look at it any other way. You, we can also make the argument that maybe Trump has not done a very good job of, of not promoting the sort of violent, I guess, uh, rhetoric uh, in some ways, you know, his rallies when he said things like, yeah, get him out of here, get him out of here. But why do we only see this about Trump? Because there are protesters that go to Hillary rallies and they get taken by security and they get kicked out. This happens at other people's rallies. And yet the media is all Trump, 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 violence, violence, violence. I'm not saying there's not some legitimacy to it, but once again, it's, it always seems that with when they focus on Trump, everything is exasperated and exaggerated, and w- whereas they'll downplay the same things happening anywhere, uh, anywhere else with any other candidate. Well, I, think, I think it is playing into his hand. And the, the one quote that, that uh, stands out to me, I, this might have been before this past weekend that he said this, but there, there were protesters at, at the rally and they were kicked out. And he's, you know, Trump will go on rambling about something and he's saying, what, what happens to these protesters? Do, do they get arrested? Do they get charged with anything? I think they should. You know, I think that, you know, they should have something on their record. Their, their lives should be ruined for doing this, which is just a ridiculous thing to say for somebody to get uh, kicked out of a political rally for their life to be ruined. Now, does Donald Trump really feel that way? I have no idea. But he's saying that. And I mean, it, I, he's a scary candidate. He really is. If you think that what he's saying he actually believes to be true and he wants to move the country in that direction, which I don't really think he does. I just think he wants to win any way possible. Yeah, but it does come a point where it's too he's kind of too scary the kind of the way he's gone now where initially we were looking at him saying, "Okay, you know what? Maybe we can deal with some of his shortcomings cuz they'll never happen like the wall thing and immigration because his broader concept will probably benefit us all." But now you see that he's gotten crazier and crazier. You say, "I don't know if I could ever support him." Cuz I was just talking with uh, my actually my fiance's uh, parents are very liberal. So we were discussing that I said, you know, Trump's foreign policy, before this last debate anyway, was pretty attractive. But then you hear just all this rhetoric and all this hate talk about, you know, Muslims and the mosques and, uh, you know, and the immigration issue. It really makes you wonder how far he's willing to go. And even if you don't believe it, it's hard to say, okay, how how can I suspend my disbelief of what he's saying? Because I don't think he means it to to support the guy. Because what if he does? Yeah, it's the the same thing is with him and Hillary. With him, he's saying terrible things. Then I'm like, I don't think he, he means it. I think he's just saying it. It was this rhetoric, but kind of have to take him at his word. And on the other side of the coin, Hillary sometimes says some decent things, but it's like, well, she didn't used to believe say that. I don't believe her saying that. <laughs> right. Yeah, you so could never like, take Hillary at her He's word. saying bad things, but I don't think he really means it. She's saying sometimes good things. I don't think she really means it. It's The two of them are just such liars. You can't really support either of them without like, who knows what you're going to get. So if you can't if you can't support Trump or Hillary, who do you support? Does that lead us into Harry a libertarian Johnson. debate? <laughs> yeah, there you go, perfect. <laughs> it segue. could, but I don't want to move on quite yet because I, 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 this whole violence thing I think really needs to be examined a little bit more because 
I, it seems that so many people I've seen out there, and I'm really just going off social media right now because that's really all I have. I don't watch the regular news. But it really seems that there's so much focus on Trump here and Trump being the devil and Trump being the worst. And there's, um, like I said, legitimacy to, to Trump's rhetoric and, and seeing how that's divisive. But we also need to place blame on the people that that come and show up to a political rally for uh, for no other reason than to incite violence. And and when, when our politics is, is turning into violent acts to repress press speech that you just don't want to hear because you don't like the rhetoric, I think that's a deeper problem. And, and these seem to be like the same sort of people that interrupt things everywhere, the same kind of people that will shut down a city street because they're mad about something. And, you know, they're, they're, it, it's a misdirected anger. But it's very scary when you see people holding Mexican flags and communist f- flags shutting down an American ra- rally. Now, maybe I'm not a right-wing nationalist, so I don't want to come across as defending Trump's policies and the things that he supports. But the response to it from on this violent, visceral level is a frightening one because it's 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 an affront to free speech and I don't mean that in a legal sense I mean but uh, when when speech can be shut down through violence it doesn't matter if it's government doing it or a angry mob doing it it's a it's a frightening thing to see either way well you're seeing that in college campuses too all over the place exactly. where I think this is a, I think it's exactly right I think that's this is a projection of that thing we're seeing on college camp, college campuses uh, the whole safe space thing and this is what they want with Trump they want a safe space from his ideas so they come and invade it and try to turn turn this his rally into a safe space for them by be, by being violent by getting in people's faces and I'm not trying to um, only blame Trump protesters because I've certainly seen videos of people at Trump rallies who are acting you know aggressive towards other people too but you know the, the the fact that people are out there blaming Trump and including Ted Cruz, including John Kasich, who are basically siding with these far left protesters and blaming Trump for the actions of others. I think that's just a terrible way to look at things. If you want to blame Trump for some things, blame him for things he actually says and does. But you can't blame him for 10,000 people show, showing up and and being violent at his rally. Like, I just don't see how that where the disconnect is. There. Yeah, and I guess he's I mean, I, I'm trying to think if there was a quote where he actually said, like, oh, beat the crap out of him. There might have been one time he said something along that. But uh, but. Yeah, I mean, you can understand if he's like, get him out of here. Of course, you would want those people kicked out as soon as possible. So you can't can't uh, criticize the man for being like, get the hell out of here. Somebody, you know, security, take him out. Now, if the security beats them up, you know, like I remember Ron Paul, uh, memorably, some supporters of his got, you know, roughed up at uh, just a general primary, I think. So it's not like that type of thing. But if they're beating people, then, yeah, this, this, you know, these special services should be held accountable and his own security team should be held accountable. But if he's just telling me, get out of there and they're being escorted out, uh, you know, you can't blame the guy. There, there was the one rally. I mean, I'm laughing because it's funny, but watching it, where I forget where it was, like in uh, New Hampshire or something, and it's cold outside. There's a protest. They kicked him out, and he said, "Take their coats, take their coats away, <laughs> throw them out on the street without coats." Eh, that's a little uh, extreme, I guess. <laughs> oh boy! See, we're laughing, so it's like we're part of the fault of this because it is funny. It's a funny thing to say. It's, it's not a funny thing it, to it do. It is funny. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's funny. I mean, throw them over the wall. Take the coats. <laughs> Oh boy! All right. So, I mean, any any other thoughts? Anybody wants to get on this? To me, it's just it's just a frightening thing to see when you have like literally communist groups waving communist flags, shutting down a political rally, and and conservative conservatives and the mainstream media all siding with the violent communist protesters. That's what I'm seeing here, and it's troubling. Trump stuff aside. I just hope that all of our libertarian listeners remember that, you know, if you ever are protesting something, you know, violence is not going to get anyone to come to your side. It's not you're not going to be cast in a positive light. It's not going to help the cause. It's not going to do anything beneficial for anyone. 
And now this is a good example because I might have a lot in common with Black Lives Matter protesters on a lot of things if we actually broke down the war on drugs and the racial inequality in the system. But when Black Lives Matter shows up and causes violence, I will not defend you. And on the flip side, the problem is now I'm I'm going around defending Donald Trump because of this. Not not him himself, but in this case, I mean, I think that the protesters that are showing up and being this disruptive, 10,000 people, it was a very organized thing. And there's a whole article about it, how this is basically organized by, by Bernie Sanders supporters. Some other people say there's George Soros money involved. This is a very organized – I think I think it was uh, Clinton supporters pretending to be Sanders supporters. Hey, I like that. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see if she comes, uh, comes out attacking him now about what his supporters' behavior. Oh, well, I don't think – The thing, so. too, is you know, if, if – 10,000 Trump supporters marched in on a Bernie rally, they would portray it as, you know, this fascist march on on, uh, free ideas anyway, too. You know that's the way it would come across. Absolutely. And that's my point. I'm trying not to take a political side on this, but just looking at the disparity in the coverage, it's – they're making it all out as if, you know – Donald Trump is the reason for violence. And I just think that's ridiculous. He, he, he might be in certain instances here and there, but I mean, to, to blame this man and his political positions, which no matter if you think they're ridiculous or not, when he says, I'm going to deport people, really all he's saying is enforce laws on the books. So put your anger towards the laws that he's saying to enforce. But if, if you can't even say enforce the law, and I don't agree with his deportation policy, don't get me wrong, but if even just saying to enforce the laws on the books gets you a violent, you know, a violent group, to, breaking up your rally like that's just a, a scary point in how politics goes forward in this well country. not to skip ahead too much because we'll get into the republican debate but he said a terrifying thing during the republican debate which is going outside he wanted to quote unquote expand a certain uh, group of of laws which we'll talk about later but that kind of thing is uh, terrifying so the libel laws. stay tuned guys don't turn off the podcast oh i just gave a spoiler alert are we talking about the, the libel laws thing no, no, no. Much, oh, something much, else. Much okay, worse. then it's much not spoiled worse. yet. We'll get there. Yeah. All right, so let's well, let's just move on from this. But I, I just think just seeing all the imagery is, and, and the way it's being portrayed is just – it's very troubling. That's all I will say about that for now. Um, but, you know, Odie, you referenced the libertarian debate. Uh, why don't you just describe this? I know you checked it out. Uh, you are a libertarian debate correspondent. So first of all, just tell us what this debate is all about. What was the setup, the format? Yeah, it was it was a strange debate. Um I watched it, and I'll just give you just a, an overview of what it was like for our listeners. And I'm sure many of our listeners who are, are libertarians watched it. But it was – I think it was actually conducted on Google Hangouts. Um, I originally thought on Skype, but I think it was on Google Hangout. And they had, I think, seven candidates total. Um, all the main ones were there, Gary Johnson, uh, McAfee, Austin Peterson, as well as Steve. Steve Corbell was also in there uh, as well. Uh, uh, so that was that was good to see because he missed the missed the first one I think, right. but it was all conducted on Google Hangouts and it was terrible quality. Um, it was very awkward. Uh, whenever the moderator would ask a question, there were multiple times. This podcast times is better produced and less awkward than that libertarian debate. Yes, much or no? better produced. And we're all half even... in the bag. <laughs> you can't even compare the two. It, it was so bad. Uh, the moderator would ask a question and then there'd be silence. Um, and it kept, it kept happening with, with the one guy, Jack Robinson. Every time he was asked a question, Jack, are you there? Jack, unmute. Can you unmute? <laughs> Jack, can you unmute, please? And then hold on mute finally. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, let's go. All right. And then we'll go, oh, and we'll go into it. But Painful. it was it, it was bad. And just a, just a quick summary. So uh, t- speaking of Jack Robinson, I'd never heard of him before. Um, he had a pretty strange uh, viewpoint. Uh, he had this policy or platform he talked about called trickle up, triple up economics. 
and he never really explained it what it was but um so his first rant i'll call it he he introduced this trickle up economics and he said that only himself and gary johnson were the only two credible candidates and he went through to one by one personally attack each other candidate especially austin peterson this guy freaking hates austin peterson it was funny how much he hates him accusing Austin Peterson of trying to silence his son or something or editing out his son from a video. And anyway, what? I, it's okay. <laughs> what was the video? Editing his son out of a video? But that's an Yeah, I accusation. guess there was some debate and uh, this guy accused Austin Peterson of editing his son out. And Austin Peterson said there were problems with the, uh, with the mic, I think I can't remember specifically. So don't take my word for it. hundred percent. And the guy said, no, I can't be right. You edited him out multiple times. Was was the mic bad multiple times? But it, it was just a weird, strange exchange. Very, very weird. And, and McAfee, so everyone else had a uh, had had the video of himself there. McAfee had just had an avatar of himself shirtless with a gun to his head. Maybe that was actually him yeah. in real life, but he just stayed that way the entire time during <laughs> the debate. He just took some acid and froze in that position. <laughs> He's like, if this debate goes wrong, I'm pulling the trigger. Lie. Is it true that he asked Austin Peterson to take acid with him during the debate? That is what I I, I read a report and saw some. About <laughs> that. Yes. Yeah, I actually, I, if he did, I missed that part. I was skipping around a little bit. I'll be honest. It was hard. And it's just sad. It was hard to watch straight through for how bad the quality was. So I was jumping around some. So I, I did miss that. If, if it did happen, indeed, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I, I mean, there wasn't really much noteworthy to happen that I could talk about. All the ideas are. Fairly, I mean, fairly generic, libertarian, dogmatic talking points. McAfee, of course, was focusing on cybersecurity for uh, any chance he any chance he could. Um, one interesting thing McAfee did say, talking about the TSA, he had an idea. Just instead of having all the you know TSA agents deployed across the country, um, instead of just unemploying them all, just take them you know take them out of the airports, continue to pay them. But that would eliminate the overhead. He, th- he says that would 15, 20 percent of TSA's overhead, and that would save uh, billions of dollars. He said so that on, on uh, my interview as well. Did he? Okay. Yeah. It's it's a. I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's it's better than spending the money on overhead. So I don't have a problem with it. Austin Peterson has his penny plan, which he wants to cut one penny out of every federal dollar. That's he was very uh, big on that. Rand Paul brings that one up as well all the time. The penny plan for for cutting cutting spending. Basically, so basically it's a 1%, 1% cut across the board everywhere is the idea. Is so, that each year? Another I think it's for 1%? like five years or something. Something like that. Uh, I don't know if he gave a time frame, but I guess... At least that's uh, the one that Rand talks about. It's uh, supposed to... Does Rand um, say what happens after five years then? Or? I think well, the whole thing just blows up. <laughs> ISIS, ISIS <laughs> wins. That's collapses. what happens after five years. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's when ISIS wins. But that's, we'll be, that's we'll why it's a five-year plan, not a four-year plan. You see. What did uh, what did my man Feldman have to say? Anything good? I don't think Feldman was in the debate. Now that I think of it, um, that's inexcusable. He uh, uh, he might have been, but he didn't say anything noteworthy. If he was, that I can. My, he's not. He didn't make my notes. Let's put it put it <laughs> at that. Your one your one note. This is an embarrassment. Period. Yeah, it was it was bad. It, it, it's it's sad. I mean, I, I mean, we do this podcast. We don't have video, so we're, we're not going on that road. But I feel like if we decided to do video, we might have one bad run or two bad runs. We could probably pull together and have a semi-professional show. But the Libertarian Party, this 
the, this third party that wants to get 5% that is focused on it, wants to be the, the, you know, the next big party, can't even pull together for their presidential election. I think that's pretty sad. Yeah, well, it's these local – it's the local parties doing it. But it's like how – it's not that difficult to do. And if you can't do it right, don't do it because all it is is a pure and simple embarrassment. Like you said, you see this kind of stuff. How is anybody supposed to take it seriously? It's a joke. I'm not- and I'm I know libertarians want to be independent. I'm not going to send it to anyone. You know? right, yeah. I'm not going to send this debate and say, here, check out, check out these guys. Check out their ideas. It's embarrassing. Yeah. You, Ho- can't, hopefully you it, can't even pull ideas out because it's such a joke. And what, you know, like, I understand libertarians especially want to be independent. I'm sure the local parties want to be independent of the, the overarching uh, you know, libertarian uh, national committee. But at some point, you got to say, look, you got to do this right. You have to do it a certain way. We need people to buy in. Otherwise, it's going to be a joke and people are just going to laugh at us as they're doing now. Like, even if libertarians cannot watch this, how is anybody else suspected to? Maybe I should host a libertarian debate on this show. I think you should. Well, I told you, I want to pitch them and do uh, just let say, let me do your PR. Let me do your branding because this is pathetic right now. Why you do, why you do our branding first? One step at a time, guys. I want to do it for something that matters. All right. Cool. Well, nice to have you on the show. <laughs> this will be your last appearance. <laughs> That's good. I'm trying to get out of it. I'm burned out on debates. <laughs> Just kidding. I kid. I love doing it. I All right. Well, it. well, speaking of debate burnout, actually, before we move on, you know, Rico isn't here this week. So since we're talking about the Libertarians... I think it's time for a Feldman fact. Yeah! <laughs> I'm going to need to get some kind of audio audio cue with that at some point. But for now, I've only got one because, you know, I'm not the expert on this topic. But I did find that uh, back in 2014, Mark Allen Feldman ran for election to the office of Ohio Treasurer in Ohio, obviously. But uh, he was disqualified before the primary. So we never got to find out. Well, for what? That I can't tell you. <laughs> my, my fact sheet does not go into further detail on that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm, but I'm assuming next time Rico is on the show, he'll have more details on uh, on Mark Allen Feldman's disqualification. Or if he would respond to my request to come on the show, maybe he could tell the world. Do I you think, think more people was, uh, Rico's to... fact on the last uh, podcast. That was he didn't get enough signatures seen on the ballot. Oh, is that what it was? The, the lack that of is. signatures. And this is recycled fact. So we had, we had, we had one, you had one job of recycling a Feldman fact. That was not my job. I just took it on once I realized we had no Rico here. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look one up during a during a recap. I'll have a, one by the end of the show. Film, in fact, all right. You got 20 minutes. All right. So well, speaking, one, one more note before we move on. Right. Um, I, I just just saw my note and would uh, actually. Yeah. Would, why don't you tell me if if you did if you were someone who listened to this debate and didn't know much about these candidates, who would come across to the best? That's what I want to know. I'll get to that, but before I do, this is what Jack Robinson said about some of the other candidates. He called McAfee a drug kingpin. He called Perry a hobo anarchist. And he called Austin Peterson a cowardly liar, immature, and a failure at all he has ever attempted. Well, so he sure, is, pretty, pretty he sure is making friends out there. Nicely done. <laughs> I would say Jack Robinson came across the best. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, Gary Johnson. I think Gary Johnson came across as the most, uh, the least risky candidate. And I say that as someone who I'm, I've been disappointed in Gary Johnson up until this point. I know I saw a, a web adver- advertisement or something like that, that that he had out there. It just looked like he was mailing it in, much like the Rand Paul campaign. just seemed like he had no emotion or, or anything behind it. And I kind of like to see some fresh blood, but looking at, looking at the candidates we have, I mean, I'll support McAfee if he got it. I'll probably vote for him. I'll probably support Austin Peterson, too. Um, 
but I, I think Gary Johnson is probably at this point the, the best bet to carry at least some sort of libertarian ideas, libertarian principles, if you want to call them that forward. He feels like the front runner, kind of, doesn't he? I mean, he just feels like who's going to end up the nominee. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think he's, he's definitely a front runner. Yeah. Are you ready for a Feldman fact? You're damn right I am. Already got one. Here's the music. Feldman. Feldman fact. That's not the one we're going with, but thanks. All right. Well, it's a trial run. All right. So here you go. Feldman, who grew up in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., disliked politics from an early age. And he found there were no politicians worth voting for. Only until he discovered libertarianism and started voting at age 50. That was Rico's fact, too. That's a recycled yes. fact again. Rico what? also gave that fact. Yeah. Yes. How did he know that? Someone doesn't even listen to this show. Mm. That's the only fact about him. Maybe right? those are the only two facts about Mark <laughs> Ellen Feldman that exist. <laughs> that might be it. Damn All right. him. All right. Text Rico. You got 20 minutes to get us a fresh Feldman fact. Mm. In the meantime... Um, Speaking of debate burnout, I think we agree that – I mean I'm ready for some libertarian debates like an actually well-produced one like this Fox Business debate, which of course they're shooting while I'm out of town for a week. Uh, wonderful. But you know, Where are you going to be? What are you doing instead? I'm we don't gonna, care. Yeah, who cares? I'm going to be we in Houston. we got things to talk about here, Al. <laughs> I'm going to be out of town, okay? That's all that matters. All right. Um, we're going to try to do some kind of show about that one soon, though, or uh, shortly after it airs. We'll see. We'll get you the details at the time, but – uh, I think we're all pretty worn out on the Democrat and Republican debates. There were two this week. That's the bad news. <laughs> the good news is that there are currently no more scheduled. Now, I've heard Trump say ah, these debates are pointless now, but yeah, we're, they're talking about having some more, so we'll probably do some. And then, so I think there will be more debates, especially if you know if this these primaries are still seem like they're going to be at least contentious for a while. I mean, even if Trump keeps winning, I guess there were there were a couple primaries this weekend. Howie, our primary reporter, what? What primaries took place on Saturday? This oh, yeah, show, on Saturday, show airing were, on Monday. Uh, two primaries. A lot of people might not know about it because there weren't for very many delegates, and it was just for the Republican Party. Uh, there was Washington, D.C., the uh, establishment headquarters. Uh, Marco Rubio won that with 37% of the vote, and John Kasich came in second with uh, 35%. So that's, you know, our nation's capital is definitely the home of the establishment. So, you know. Is that Rubio's first primary win? I think it's a second. What, what, what else did he win? Um, I don't remember, but there was the one. There was one, but I know he's hoping to win Florida coming up on Tuesday, and it's not going to happen. Not happening. I, I, according to the polls, and I saw even if John, all of John Kasich supporters vote for Rubio too, if the polls are correct, Trump is still going to beat him in his home state. So, but uh, the other primary this Saturday was um, Wyoming, which has 26 delegates, and Cruz won that. Um, Kasich actually got zero votes in Wyoming. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Not it was Ted, Ted Cruz, 66%, Rubio, 19%, and Trump, 7%. He couldn't is get is that one. one of those things where it's a caucus and maybe they voted twice and he just dropped off, or did he really get no votes? That's I don't know the details. I'm just looking at uh, Google, yeah. and the number of delegates they're signing doesn't add up to the total, but I guess they're saying Cruz gets at least nine, and Rubio and Trump each get at least one, but there's still uh, some unaccounted for delegates. I don't know how those get split up. You know who those are going to? Rand Paul, because he's doing the <laughs> undercover run for the convention. Oh, yeah. It's gonna, the still plan. randing. Still randing is trending. It's not trending, actually, anywhere. But hey, oh, One last election-related thing I wanted to mention. Um, when I was looking at the polls earlier, 
the Illinois, I think that's on Tuesday as well. The Democrats, Hillary had like a 30 uh, percent lead in the polls not too long ago. And this newest one that came out, Sanders is up by 2 percent. It's 48 to 46. Maybe the whole um, all, all the, the people shutting down the Trump rally energized the Sanders. <laughs> I, I was thinking maybe it was the, the Michigan when he pulled out. But uh, it seems like the more people get to hear him and uh, think about how much they hate Hillary, he just gets more and more popular. I'm, I'm still calling Bernie's going to be the uh, the Democratic candidate. We'll see. There isn't anything more interesting that I can think of of, of the possible results than Bernie versus Trump. You know, policies aside, just in terms of interesting. I mean, that I would be amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm still not convinced that Bernie has a shot, but I mean, I, I would I would love it. I mean, I obviously disagree with him profusely, but I mean, I just I think Hillary's terrible, and I, I hate for that to be the choice. I can I can view a world where I hold my nose and kind of sort of wish for Bernie in a way, or that I wish for Trump in a way over a Hillary, over a Trump. But uh, it's hard for me for me to even think about a nose holding situation for Hillary because she's just so obviously terrible. I'll take the silence. She lies about everything. Everything she says is a lie. Didn't Donald Trump say that? He did say that, and he's going to be saying that a lot if they're in a general election together. Believe you me. Did you guys hear about her? Uh blunder recently that she had to take back she was praising nancy reagan for everything she did uh, about aids yeah but uh, i guess during you know that period of time everyone was begging president reagan and like her to do anything or say anything about hiv and uh the crisis at the time but they wouldn't talk about it at all so <laughs> Haley had to come out and eat her words and be like oh yep well, you see that the, also the meme today uh, was going on the internet which is pretty funny i shouldn't call it a meme it was just accurate so hillary also was uh, saying uh, Bernie, where were you when I was trying to get healthcare back in 93, 94? And there's a picture of her giving a speech about healthcare, and he's literally standing right behind her in the picture. <laughs> that was I did pretty see good. that. That's awesome. He's that like, was I was right good, behind uh, you. <laughs> that was a pretty good uh, burn, if you will. Uh, hilarious. Ooh. Yeah. That's the kind of comedy you can expect from the Lions of Liberty, folks. Well, is that a good segue into the Democratic debate? Yes, it could be. Would you like to be our Democratic debate correspondent? Sure, I have some notes on it. Right. Not a ton, because they don't want to go too long, but I do and I have some way, notes to talk about. Before we get into that, I'd like to remind or inform our audience, uh, you know, when, whenever there is a Democrat or Republican debate, hopefully for any of the Libertarian debates that we can uh, get live, we'll do this too. But for some time, we've been doing a live blog over at lionsofliberty.com. This past week, we decided to do some things a little differently and do a live sort of chat slash blog in our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. That is the name of it, the Lions of Liberty Forum, and you can come and join just by going over and typing that in your Facebook search bar. We'll, of course, link to that in the show notes for the show today as well, lionsofliberty.com slash 192. So come join the conversation. Whenever there's a debate, whenever there's anything you want to discuss with us, come join the Lions of Liberty Forum and join the conversation because we're all in there. We're all having a good old chat and a good old time, and you can be a part of the conversation too. So all right. Okie dokie. Now, now that my PSA is over, all right. what stood so. out to you from the, the Democrat debate? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start uh, start at the top here. So, you know, they introduced people and they did their opening statements. And Hillary, to me, I think Bernie's getting to her. She looked scared. There was like a wild, terrified look in her eye, like a caged animal. Because she come out, she, you know, it, she goes, I got more votes and delegates in the beginning. Like, And she's never said that before. Coming, you know, talking about this last uh, Super Tuesday. I got more votes and delegates for no reason. So I'm thinking, you're protesting a little too much, Hill. You look a little, little panicked. So I think she's feeling it. Now, during this debate, there were a couple of main points, uh, one of which, this is at the very beginning as well, was that Bernie voted for indefinite detention of illegal immigrants. 
And Hillary Clinton nailed him on that. And Bernie did not have a response. He talked about illegal immigration in general, but he had no direct response to this because he definitely had had voted for it. And Hillary brought it up again later in the debate and again, no response whatsoever. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Like he just didn't he just refused to respond to it. He just moved on or he just. Yeah, he just did. Yeah, he, he did not counter it in any way whatsoever. It, it he just accepted it because he voted for it. So what's he going to what's he going to say? Yeah, exactly. So, and this a, a big theme of this debate, of course, was immigration because it was a co-hosted with like Univision and which was a little bit of a mess because they had people translating the Spanish and they did it. But they did it so that the Spanish volume was louder than the translation volume. So you couldn't understand anything that was being said. Uh, fortunately, they just went into English towards the uh, about after 10 minutes. But, yeah, it was a lot of immigration stuff. Um at one point, it was kind of crazy. They brought out this little, like this little old Guatemalan lady, not that old, maybe like forty, who was separated from her children, and you know they bring her out and they uh, they go, hey, don't you want to? Don't you think that you know this woman should be reunited with her kids? And she's there like crying in front of the candidates. It's like, what the hell do you think they're going to say? My favorite part was the second question they asked Hillary Clinton was, who gave you permission to uh, put an email server in your home? And if you get indicted, are you going to drop out of the race? Oh, yeah. She, she just she just Ooh. talked around it. And they're like, no, you, you missed the question. The question was, who gave you permission for the email server? Was it President Obama? And she's like, no, no, every, all my press did it. I, I didn't need permission from him. And I didn't ask permission. And they're like, and if you get indicted, will you drop out? And she just starts laughing. She's like, that's not going to happen. So I'm not going <laughs> oh, to so that question. They oh, were yeah. going after her hard during this debate. I mean, they, they really pulled what, no punches. What was that guy's name? Jorge? Jorge. Like, yeah. Jorge was the king of the had, night. He had treated Trump like that. Trump would have been like, he doesn't speak English. Throw him over the wall. Take his coat. <laughs> <laughs> Take his coat from him. But, no, uh, seriously, that guy, he had, I, I wish I'd made a specific note. He had one line where it was just like unbelievable. He just would not let her go off the topic. And I loved every he second said of it. His daughter works for Hillary, too, or something. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Fired immediately. Or dead. I don't know. Yeah. I hadn't heard this defense for Hillary Clinton for the emails before. She said that they were retroactively classified, and it was a case of overclassification. Like they were just classifying them just to get her, which I had never heard I, that before. I doubt, yeah, I doubt the Obama nice. administration is going out of their way to attack Hillary Clinton. That's that a ridiculous nice. defense. Yeah. I think if people don't, people don't need to take my word, check PolitiFact. What she's saying is false. Yeah. And I do have a Feldman fact for you guys, if you're ready. Oh, howdy. oh all right. Let's do it. He, Let's he is it. actually the uncle and godfather of Corey Feldman. No, Shut up. Not. Get out of Shut here. Shut up. I don't know. I thought a, a fake Feldman fact <laughs> might be the <laughs> best thing fact. ever. You could have <laughs> sold me on that if you kept if you kept up the, the lie a little bit longer. You Maybe could, we could have, we could have, have a, we could have a fake Feldman fact every I, uh, I want it if he runs or, the EP to be Corey Hames' uh, father. Maybe People we'll play a game next out time. Which is the fake and which is the real Feldman? Yeah, game. exactly. Well, next time we'll come loaded with a, with a Feldman facts game. I think. Sounds time. awesome. Maybe we'll just do a whole show, just Feldman facts weekly, a weekly show. It'll be ten minute long. Uh, okay, so wait, until he comes on the show, we will continue this segment. That's a threat. <laughs> uh, Howie, you said it was you know she was unconvincing in a lot of her answers on the emails, but. They also brought up Benghazi, which I don't remember that really coming up too much in previous debates. But again, he, they were nailing her on it and asking, like, what about these, you know, what about what happened to Benghazi, about the four deaths? And Hillary's defense was the most utterly ridiculous, unconvincing garbage. 
She basically didn't apologize for the you know for these four people that died that she could have easily prevented if she had paid attention or or believed their emails coming in. And she basically justified it by saying, "Well, there's been a lot of other terrorist attacks, and they've killed a lot more people. You know, nine eleven, three thousand people died, and you know, an embassy was attacked during Bill Clinton, my husband's time in the office, and a lot more people died there. And you know, we so my thing's not that big a deal. It's like, are you fucking kidding me?" That's your defense that only they, four they, people died on your watch? What's troubling to me is that they didn't even attempt to send any help. Not that, I mean, you know, maybe they wouldn't be able to get there in no, time. they just ignored it. They exactly. wanted it to be this small thing because an election was coming up and they were hoping it wouldn't blow up into this big mess that it became. Right. And, uh, so if we just don't send any forces in to help, maybe just uh, some guy will die and it won't be a big deal and we don't need to talk about it. Yeah, and then and they could, we could play it off and say that it was caused by a terrorist video, which is, of course, proven. the exact opposite happened and yet she still might be the president. Yeah, crazy, tragic, crazy, crazy world Let's we see. live in, folks. Some other points uh, I mean, to, for, for, to make a point of my own. I mean, to me, it seems like, especially I mean, with the whole Univision thing, you can kind of see like where the anti-immigration backlash comes from when you have a debate hosted in Spanish, when you have two candidates basically fighting over who wants to let more people into the country. Meanwhile, you've got people that. Right or wrong, perceive immigrants as part of the problem of why they have lost their jobs. Whether it's people overseas that are taking their jobs because corporations are sending, you know, sending, uh, you know, their jobs out there, or whether it's people coming here working for cheaper. I'm not saying that that is a, a good assessment, but it is the perception, and you can see how, you know, when it's presented this way in a democratic debate, you can you can see why Trump com- is doing well, why he comes in with the opposite position because he doesn't do what most other Republicans do, which is kind of toe the line on this stuff. He takes the hardest line position he can possibly take and because that's what gets him the attention and that's what emboldens that base that is getting pissed off about that stuff they're not going to be hyped up by you know marco rubio's wishy-washy immigration stance they're going to be hyped up by donald trump saying we got to stop this we're going to build a wall we're going to deport everybody that's what's getting them excited not even the the words or the policies but the uh the energy behind it and the the non-wishy-washy nature of it i guess i would say yeah. Well, it's like the article I wrote, do, it, do Americans want to bully in chief? And they do. They want somebody that's going to come in and just be like, I'm going to get it done. You're going to just believe me. I got you handled. I'm going to take control. You're going to believe in me. I got everything. To, trust the daddy will make everything right. And that's all it is. That, that's what they're attracted to. I think people are just so sick of the political establishment. They just want somebody to come in and flip the checkerboard over and just say the hell with it. Blow things up. Well, that's, well, I, that's I, don't think they want, I don't think they want people to just flip it over and then just walk away like Austin Peterson's thing is I'm going to take over the government and leave you alone, which with, without getting into you know the, the rhetoric there, I think I think Brian's right that they do want a bully in chief. They People don't want to be left alone. I think that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem with libertarians, libertarians trying to spread their message because it, it's all people want. And, you know, libertarians can blame the state for everything that ails them, but it's really the people supporting these laws in the first place. Yeah. It's, well, it comes out of like, people want to know that there's someone out there taking care of them and that it's going to protect them against perceived evils, whether they're real or not. Now, sometimes like, you know, there's some people that are totally against government, like Perry, you just, Oh, destroy the government. You know, I believe, I think most of you believe as well, that there is a role for government, but it's just a limited role. It has to be confined within very you know, strict parameters, but there is a place for government to protect things, to enforce contracts. So most Americans, I think on both sides, still believe that you need government there to make sure things aren't going to go completely haywire. And I agree with that. So, yeah, you need you need to feel taken care of on some level. Um, but as we've seen, more and more people are getting on the government dole where that taking care of has gone from something which was more for 
uh, attacks or more for justice and gone into more literal, we're taking care of you. Half the country is on disability. We are literally taking care of you because nurses that are being paid for from disability are coming to your house. We are feeding you. You're, you're living off food stamps from the government. You're living off of uh, you know wages from the government. So that's that's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, everybody, you either want Bernie to protect you from the corporations and take care of you, or you want Trump to protect you from immigrants and from evil socialists. Right. It's, 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 well, it's still, it's a lot of fear based. You know, it's just, what are you afraid of? That's what we're going to play to. I'm afraid of Mark Allen Feldman. (laughs) I love him. Now now that I know he's related to Corey, I I don't know what to think. Yeah. Or is he? Uh, all right. So anything else on the Democratic debate before uh, we briefly couple, touch A couple on quick this? points. Uh, Bernie has said he has always been against special interests, unironically, despite the fact that he is a big proponent of unions and unions that love him. So what are unions if not for special interests? Those are special interests. Those don't so, count in his Ridiculous. World. Yeah. Don't count for the Democrats. Um, they also talked about like Hillary Clinton talking about how successful Bill Clinton was and how the country was doing so well under his watch. And that drives me insane when politicians do that, because you were undergoing a massive tech bubble at the time. Plus, the global economy is doing well. So it's like to think that your actions as president could somehow increase the productivity and the GDP of America by 20 percent is insane and re- Ridiculous to say. I can't so that, stand any of the, uh, during this year, this guy was president and this thing happened that was good. It's like the president himself has so little effect on these things. Just yeah. stop it, people. Stop it. It's Case it's, in point, John Kasich balanced the budget when Bill Clinton was president. There you go. Case in point. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's and like, come on, there's so know. many factors at play here. Like, like you know, Bush gave back $300 stimulus to everybody. And I was like, oh, wow, 300 bucks. Did it make the economy go boom? No, it's 300 bucks. It doesn't change anything. So it's like I, to take credit is just an exercise in ego and politicking and nothing, nothing else that people buy into it. Like I hate it when people see you know, post gas prices like, oh, Obama lowered our gas prices. It's like Obama didn't do anything to affect that. Yeah, fracking and technology lowered gas prices. Yeah, And also <laughs> just the, the product the overproduction uh, of oil and also China not buying gasly like they were because their industry slowing down. You know, it's it's like saying, oh, Obama lowered prices on steel. No, steel prices went down because China's not buying up all the steel like they were to build their ghost cities. Idiotic. We need to you know, we should move to a ghost city in China. Low rent. <laughs> Just take over. We could podcast. We could have our own podcast lines of podcast building Internet there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was using ghost internet, internet there in oh, a ghost great. city. No, oh, well, I wasn't in the ghost city. <laughs> I was in a literal ghost city. It had I'm sure John McAfee could find a way to get his internet over there. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Get McAfee in there. Well, uh, one thing see. I wanted to point out uh, from the Dem debate, uh, there was a back and forth, and Hillary was defending. I don't know if, if you remember this exchange, Brian. Maybe you can uh, add more to it after. He, she was defending the Export-Import Bank. Yes. And then Bernie came back right away <laughs> and said, the Export-Import Bank is the bank of Boeing. Yep. And Hillary had had no response. Yeah, at all. how could she? They get so many millions of dollars in support for this massive industry. And and if you remember the, the previous debate, she was saying, "Oh, you know, we, we, the government needs to be going out and shilling for Boeing." It's like, really? That's it. We're, we're selecting a salesman now as president. So yeah, the expert input back was awesome to see Bernie take her down on that. That's one thing I love love Bernie on. Uh, he also was good on regime change again in this debate. And unlike a lot of people who just focus on middle uh, the Middle East. He did bring up the fact that America has been very much involved in Latin America as well with regime change. 
not only like with you know look at Colombia, look at all these like, like overthrowing these uh, you know cartels and also the the dictators in place, but we've had a lot of interaction there. Yeah. So it's surprising 30, that years. Latin America doesn't hate us as much as the Middle East does. You know, in Chile, September 11th means something else. It's the day that. Uh, the United States helped violently overthrow an elected leader, and that's their 9-11. I mean, the United States has been involved in these countries for many, many decades. Yeah. And, that, and that's one of the reasons that globally many people do see the United States as Daryl Perry, that anarchist libertarian candidate, says as the greatest terrorist organization in the world uh, because a lot of people around the world have experienced terror at the hands of the United States government at, with the CIA supporting uh, terrible regimes. So yeah. there's a reason that these things happen. There's a reason that hatred gets built up uh, against America, and Donald Trump's not the only reason. Well, and people convince themselves that, oh, no, well, if America did it, it's right. And it's like, based on what? Because we're on our, your Judeo-Christian values and you, because we believe democracy is the way to go. It's like, look, I'm not condoning radical Islam, but they believe their way is right. So, I mean, it, it's just a matter of point of view. So you can argue, yeah, we, we've done a hell of a lot of terrorist shit for you know, reasons that other cultures would say are crazy. That's it. Uh, one more thing. Also, uh, Bernie Sanders... Was against regime change, blah blah blah. But then he also supported Castro because he uh, they had health care there, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's against evil dictators unless they provide health care. Right, exactly. Never Even mind if that it's the economy went to garbage and everything else. Yeah, which and also they talk about uh, when we go to the Republican debate in a second. They also talked about Cuba there, which uh, was entertaining. Oh, well, that's, that's Bernie a good segue. Also wants, or not. Bernie also <laughs> wants to decimate the energy sector before we segue. Oh, I know yeah, that's to, right. You got it. We talked it. about this uh, on our, our email chain there a little bit, but all he wants to have is wind, solar, and geothermal. He wants to get rid of coal, which is pretty much being phased out anyway. But the bigger thing is he doesn't want any nuclear, and he wants to ban fracking. So I mean, you can you can you know say 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 what you want about the individual industries and subsidies and whatnot. He's not even attacking that aspect of it. He just wants completely green across the board, not thinking about any of the energy impacts. And, you know, you guys will come back and probably say, well, that won't happen. And it probably won't. But I still think that's a that's a dangerous policy. And some of that has really happened. If you look at in Germany, they've started to phase out uh, that type of energy in Japan after uh, Fukushima. They've actually had problems because I think they shut down their entire nuclear fleet and they've had, you know, rolling brownouts and blackouts. In, in a time where your energy demands right now, I think, are higher than they've ever been, where the infrastructure, as John McAfee could tell you, cybersecurity-wise, you could have, you know, you could have the grid wiped out probably, and he's taking, wanting to take off our major energy producers. I think it's a dangerous idea, and I think we have to take it seriously, even if you think it might not happen. I think there is a lot of support for it on the Democratic side. Well, and also just think about how many millions and billions of dollars he's going to spend subsidizing those industries. Like Bernie loves to decry, oh, crony capitalism for oil and all these fossil fuel supports. But then he wants to turn around and subsidize green energy. So that's how is that not crony capitalism? Tatiz. Yeah. Tatiz. But of course, you know, unironically, they don't realize that the things that they hate uh, are the exact same things that they support with a different name. Yeah, and if if they wanted more solar power, the easiest way to do it, and some of these are local government laws, so there's problems there, um, or, or state laws. You're punishing people for having solar panels, and if they want to sell energy to a neighbor or something, you're not allowed to do it. So it's it's kind of inherent in a in a flawed system. Well, yeah, they force you to pay back system. into the to be connected back into the grid, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. which is absurd. All right, so let us finally segue. Well, not even segue. We're just gonna go. 
right over to the Republican debate. Odie, you are the brave one uh, who really sat through this thing. I know we all had a very busy weeks on our end, so you were our Republican debate correspondent. Uh, let's just maybe get a talking point or two. And I'll, I'll just say my talking point from the highlights and, and things I've heard. To me, this seemed to um, really go a different direction than the uh, the previous debate, which is all about attacking Trump, taking down Trump. The tone seemed to be a little different. It almost seemed like, you know, from the highlights and, and things I've read about it, it didn't seem like that kind of attacking tone was there anymore. Like suddenly the candidates just said, all right, now we're just trying to look good and gain our own delegates, but going after Trump might not be helping us anymore. Is that, did you get that impression at all? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think Rubio and, and Cruz especially realized that they were gaining nothing by attacking Trump. So they, they stopped. It was, that was a pretty well-mannered, civilized debate for the beginning half, at least. Um, and the candidates afterward even said so. Um, probably this debate had the most actual policy content that was talked about. Um, I'm not going to say that it was they were going deep into policies. It was still, you know, check out my campaign website for, for this policy. I think Ted Cruz probably said that five or ten times. But one, one point that I want to talk about, uh, just to kick something off and we can discuss this, um, Trump has talked about, you know, putting tariffs, punishing punishing China um, for taking advantage of it, putting on a you know a tariff tax. And Ted Cruz, rightly I think, came back and point pointed out that a tariff is really a tax on the American people. You know, you you, you put a, a tax on exporting and importing that's going to raise raise the price of American goods. And Trump came right back at right back at him and said that well we want to we'll start producing. You know, producing uh, those goods here, we'll start up manufacturing again. And Cruz can't come back at him and say, well, who's who's going to work in that manufacturing pace if you if you deport all the Mexicans? Because I think Cruz is trying to be in favor of that, at least for at least for uh, election purposes. But I, I think that is a problem if that did. I mean, the oh, yeah. uh, right, the, the right or wrong tariffs it. aside, I think. Yeah, I think that's a, I, th- I don't think the manufacturing base is there. We don't have people that want to work it, it, that type of job. Trump did say, though, that he wasn't going to have a 45 percent tariff. He said it was just a threat. <clears throat> Cruz said, like, you know, like the economics doesn't work out. He's like, it was just a threat. Yeah, but then what is, the why say it? It's it's meaningless then. He's already revealing his, his strategy. He's basically telling everybody, look, I say these big, bold things to put my first offer out there, but that's not what it's really going to end up at. I mean, he's laying it all out there. He's like, no, no, no. I was just... He's basically saying what he's saying with everything. The wall is a threat. Deport them all. These are all threats. They're not his actual positions that he thinks he's going to get at at the end of the day. But uh, Cruz is building a wall now, too. Is he? Did he jump on, on, it, it, on the in wall? In this, in this past debate, he starts talking about his immigration plan. He's like, number one, we're building a wall. Number two, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. All he Cruz. does is take talking points from other politicians as, as the ebbs and flows. He takes Rand Paul's talking points when it's convenient. He takes Donald Trump's when it's convenient. Ah, this is why I just can't stand Cruz the most. I, he just bugs me. Yeah. And he's you got a punchable face. Out, though, I might get discussed. the wall I want. I will say I did want to punch Ted Cruz in the face a little bit less this debate. For less. some reason, I don't know if he was contorting his face in a different way to seem more likable based on his uh, political advice from his uh, campaign staff, but I didn't uh, Mr. Cruz, time. we heard this Lions of Liberty podcast. They are, they're saying that you have a very punchable face. Is there anything you could do about that? <laughs> Change Hopefully. your face, Ted. Change your face. Well, he had the line of the night, I think, against Trump, though. You know, Trump, they're talking about can't, you know, Trump's rallies when people are pledging. And he said something along the lines of, you know, we don't want a candidate that's asking people to pledge to him. We want a candidate who's pledged to the people. It's a good line. It is a good line. It is a good line. But uh, it's pretty empty. I mean, what does that mean? You know? You're well, sure. exactly. It is very empty. <laughs> uh, but still. 
Now, what about Trump saying this debate? You know, before we give him credit for having a reasonable foreign policy where he didn't want to get involved in things. But then in this debate, he said he would have no choice but to use U.S. troops against ISIL, 20,000 or 30,000, depending on what they say. Not only Trump, every single candidate in a different way um, said that they would unequivocally um, that they would have troops on the ground to defeat ISIS. Even John Kasich said that. Now, Kasich followed up by saying he would bring them home after ISIS was defeated. But I, I, I just don't see... How and uh, you know how an American foreign policy? How you would go in there defeat ISIS? How, how can it's not believable that you're going to bring all the troops home? They're going to stay there. That's what's happened in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're not going to come back. So pretty much what they said, what what the four GOP uh, you know candidates said was, there's going to be another war, and we're going to be in the Middle East for the duration of another election cycle which well, is you know, to it well you know trump had one way to uh, defeat isis and this is what i was alluding to earlier in the podcast this is what he said he he said before he wants to kill terrorist families which of course is completely illegal and immoral and when they pushed on it said yeah you can't do this he says no we need to expand the geneva convention to kill the families of the terrorists you know what he should have said? Barack Obama's done it. Why can't I? That's exactly that would have been a good line. Yeah, that, that would have been a good line. But that's—I mean—that line is. That's what I was saying. That's so scary that he is willing to say, "Oh no, forget the Geneva Convention. Forget all the laws against war crimes. We're just going to go in. This is the United States of war crimes now, led by Donald Trump. We're going to kill your families, kill your cat, kill your dog, everything that you hold dear, just like Saddam Hussein, basically." Yeah, and who were his sons? Uday and Kuse. That that was what that was like their job. They were the enforcers that would just go around like feeding people's uncles to like wild dogs to, to scare the populace into submission. That's basically what Trump is saying. We're gonna do. That's our leader. That's scary. <laughs> That's it's, it's, our guy. Oh boy. And then uh, one more note. I don't know if you picked this up, Odie. Uh, just looking through the like I was looking through the transcript, but Rubio still is up his own ass about Cuba, despite the fact that. He's he hails obsessed. from Cuba. It's, you know, it's like his heritage. But he's still saying, "Yeah, well, they're not a democracy, and you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't have open trade. We shouldn't have made these agreements with them until they're a democracy." And it's like, who gives a shit if they're a democracy right now? Well, it's not our business. Number one, and number two, our biggest trade partner is not a democracy yeah, in China. Really? It's like, I really? I, yeah, I mean, come on, man. Who are you joking with? This tiny little country you're going to be up your ass about? I can't even listen to these candidates on Cuba. It is so illogical. It's 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 just ridiculous. I mean, tra- the country is literally how how far is Cuba from Florida? It's right it's freaking about, there. It's, about it's a communist miles. nation, and we're puni- and we're punishing the people of Cuba because of their terrible leaders. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, if you want to promote you know freedom and free trade, freaking trade with Cuba. It's insane. Send more Americans there on vacation because then they will see. Hey. These guys are living okay. Where are they getting all this money? We don't have money. I wonder why. Maybe it's because we live under a communist dictator. Could that be it? Damn well right. Oh, man. I feel like this country is going to be Cuba in 10 years at this point. It's moving that direction. Without without as good of a drinks, without as good cigars and uh, Cuba Libres and all that good stuff. Yeah, we'll probably have Dominican rolled cigars, not Cuban rolled cigars. Oh, no. Don't say it. Say it ain't so. All right, so uh, I don't know. Like I said, there are no scheduled debates next week. I believe there is a libertarian debate next weekend that we'll try to cover in some way, shape, or form. Uh, But why don't I just leave off with, you know, I don't want to do a specific prediction, but I I guess 
the last week, you know, we had Trump and, uh, you know, the, the, the violence in Chicago. We had these two debates. Who would you say right now, coming out of the past week and, and more of events, looks like the person most poised to be president? I mean, on both and from both parties. Just who's the first person that comes to your mind that either will be because of what's been going on or or looks like they should be? You can you can interpret the question however you want. But just who do you think has come out of the last couple of weeks with uh, the most, I guess, political gusto? And I'll, I'll start with Odie. Most political gusto. It's a very vague well, question, I know. I did that intentionally because I couldn't think of a real question. <laughs> well, I think on the Democrat side, I, I think Hillary is fading. Um, I, I don't think uh, Bernie has that presidential gusto, but I think he's poised to make a run here. I don't know if he's going to win, but I think this is going to go to the wire on the Democrat side. And I think you know I'm in Pennsylvania. Normally in Pennsylvania, the vote doesn't matter. It won't matter for me anyway since I'm not a registered Democrat. But I think it, it'll go far enough. It'll matter in Pennsylvania and beyond. I don't know if Bernie's going to win, but I think he's he's poised to make a run on the Republican side. I don't know what's going to happen. I think at the end of the day, Trump will get the nomination, as I said earlier. Cruz is obviously being hurt by the other guy staying in. And... I'll just say one more, one more thing. I think Kasich will win Ohio and stay in, and Rubio will get crushed in Florida and drop out. All right. I, I think Rubio's going to get murdered in Florida. I can't wait. Uh, all right. So, uh, Howie, thoughts? I also think Rubio's going to get crushed, not in Florida, but just uh, the election general. Um, if I had to put money on it, I think Trump's going to be the next president. Uh, he's – I don't see Cruz being able to gain enough momentum to uh, take him down. And if they have a broker convention, that's just going to be a total shit show. The whole the party is going to be in a shambles. I don't. It's going to be Chicago. That, it's going to be Chicago yeah, with oh, all Republicans. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be Chicago on steroids. I don't think. I think they realize that and they won't go that far. Well, I the think best part let... is, you know, these protesters are going to show up at that Republican convention too. So if you, you might have Republicans fighting Republicans and then like Black Lives Matter showing up to join the party too, it might get wild in uh, in Cleveland. It'll bring are, America. Are we all together. showing up at Rico's house to for the convention? I think that's the plan. <laughs> Count me in. And if uh, my prediction doesn't come true and Bernie doesn't become the uh, Democratic candidate, even though I'm sure Trump would mop the floor with him as well, but. I don't think Clinton has any chance of beating anybody at this point in time. All, right. all, all of the all of the Republicans on stage at debate came off better than Hillary, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be President Trump. That's two two for Trump, I think. <laughs> Brian, thoughts? I I would say Bernie has just made up a lot of ground on Clinton. I think he will be the nominee for the Democrats. Trump will be the nominee for the Republicans. And I foresee, even though uh, it's terrifying, I actually think Bernie Sanders would emerge victorious. You think Bernie's going to oh. be president? I think That's he will be. That's your current prediction. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I honestly do. All right. He's got, so much, he's got so much momentum behind him. A lot of the Democrats look like they're already fleeing and jumping ship. And when it comes to him versus Trump, I think he will end up winning out. Hey, if nothing else, it would be nice to finally scratch this uh, first Jewish president itch, right? We, I think we've been all been waiting for the first Jewish Top president. of my list, man. Top issue. Giant menorah on the White House lawn. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> if nothing else, we would have four years of Larry David as Bernie Sanders. That's exactly so. – that's like my prime motivation right now. What's going to entertain me the most? And for that reason, it may be Bernie. However uh, – Despite all the momentum Bernie is gaining, it does seem like he really is, is formidable against Clinton. It's it's still hard for me to, to think that the, he'll win the superdelegates. But 
like you said, if, if the, just like Obama, if the ment- momentum shifts far enough in his direction that it would actually hurt those superdelegates politically to not go with the flow and take Bernie, that's when he would have the chance. So, And there is this wild card hanging out, this indictment wild card that could really end Hillary permanently. And if that's the case, yeah, then Bernie's going to be the nominee, obviously. So uh, I just – I don't think Bernie has the wizardry skills of Donald Trump and I think Donald Trump is going to – Continue this negativity. Continue because that's what's working for him in the primary. But I think once we get to the general election, you're going to be amazed at what Donald Trump does to turn the perception of him around. I don't have the slightest clue how to do it because I'm not a wizard. But he is a wizard and he has a way of doing things. And I just – I don't – I think he's inevitable. I don't see – and it's kind of scary. I mean, I think Trump as president is the the wild card, no matter what way you look at it. It's a wild card that could turn out better than things are now, for all we know. He is a smart guy. Uh, all reports are that he's a very great person to work with in the business world. So, I mean, is this just a character he's playing on TV? I, I don't know. But uh, I don't think it matters because I, I think this is inevitable. Uh, but I don't know. I, it, this is the strangest election year ever between the Bernie and Hillary stuff, uh, between the infighting in the Republican Party. I mean, are they all going to just coalesce and go around Trump because it's inevitable or are people going to fight him? I mean, you still hear conservatives talking about going third party and, and putting up Mitt Romney and in an independent bid, all these crazy things. And I just don't know what to do because so many people have, con- have condemned Trump. It's like, I mean, Mitt Romney would look silly if he came out in support of Trump now. And so would so many of these other guys. But it's never stopped them in the past. So. I heard I heard Mitt Romney's going to run as Gary Johnson's VP. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be incredible. All right, guys. Well, somehow we made it through another week of of political uh, debates and crazy rallies and crazy debate coverage, and uh, it, it's it's a scary thing. I think the way things seem to be going, it does seem like we're more divided than ever. But I don't know. Maybe it seems like that every every once in a while. I mean, I'm sure in the 60s and 70s it seemed that way too. So doesn't necessarily mean the world is uh, is coming to an end, but it sure is making for some interesting and uh, perhaps frightening times. Uh, I'm just glad to have uh, some good old friends here drinking along with me, or not along with me because I'm not drinking. But thank God you guys are drinking for me because someone's got to do it. Don't call us heroes, man. We're just people. All right. And uh, this coming Wednesday, I'm I'm speaking to a great guy named Eric July. He is a rapper, uh, lead singer of the band Backwards. I do highly recommend checking out. They got some pretty cool metal metal stuff, actually. It's actually metal music, which is pretty sweet. And uh, he's got – he's a very opinionated fellow. And we spend a a good amount of time talking about Bernie Sanders, a guy who he thinks is the worst option for president right now. So – Enjoy that interview. And next week, uh, of course, I know we got another Felony Friday coming, Odie. Do you want to give a little yeah, preview on, on while fr- we're on? On Friday, yeah, we have Lions of Liberty Legal Counsel, Mr. Rico. Well, how be perfect. On Felony Friday. It's about time you got another lawyer on the show. Yeah, so I'm yeah, interested to uh, get the legal view from Rico. It'll be entertaining as always. All right, and then next week we'll be back here with – more stuff, more coverage. But the wonderful thing is you got three different episodes from us this week, as you do every single week at Lions of Liberty, and they're all kind of different. We usually get you in a roundtable like this one, uh, and I'll do an interview show most weeks, and then we got Felony Friday on Friday. So things are picking up. Always something fun in the Liberty world. We're pleased to have you here. Please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, however you listen to the show, and please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a great review. That's the best way to help us get this show out to more people out there. Uh, until then, guys, are you ready to join me here? Do you think we can get in sync for this because I only have one more message for the world and that is of course to live long and live free head of editing and mastering is John Dobbert 
contact johnny53 at gmail.com.